I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. School of Humans. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cadaver Gals. This is a podcast where we talk about death, dying, and um, all the weird ways people die. I'm one of your three hosts, Nika, along with Gabby and Taylor. How are we feeling? Um, I'm great. I just got called evil, so... Mm, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> just three evil gals. Just three evil gals. Um, today, as always, we have some trigger warnings. Obviously, we're going to be talking about death, dying, asphyxiation, suffocation, poisoning, I think. Uh, what else? Freezing to death. And uh, the scariest one of all, climate change. Scary. <gasps> Only if you believe in it, though. Oh, God. Don't, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> since there's the option, apparently, not to. I guess we'll say baseline, we all fully acknowledge that humans have contributed to a changing climate, just so you guys know, for the sake of this. <laughs> Listen, if I could opt out, I would. The deaths are weird today. We are going to be talking about how climate change is leading to all of us eventually dying from animal <laughs> attacks. All of us. Every single one. Yes. Um, also a bizarre unsolved death, which is kind of like the way that you want to go if you are going to go with your friends. It's very squad goals. And a bonus story submitted by a listener about a murderous hamster. So that's the tea. Cue alligator music. Cadaver gals. So, Gabby, 
uh, climate change. Do tell us about it. Let's hear it. Okay, so as Nika prefaced, you know, we're all going to die from animal attacks because of global warming, but that's not exactly true. Some could, but this is one thing about global warming or one of the effects of global warming that just the people aren't talking about. (laughs) So we're going to Indonesia for this story. We're going to a remote village on the western part of this island called Sulawesi. And a lot of people who live here work on palm oil plantations. And, you know, the cool thing about palm oil is you can find it in everything. You know, you can find it from your cookies to your face stuff. But, you know, it's also terrible for the environment because, you know what, if you ever make too much of something, that's bad, okay? So let's go back to Sulawesi on this island. This is March 26, 2017, and our victim is 25-year-old Akbar Salubiro, and he works on a palm oil farm. And basically, he's a harvester. And usually the most dangerous part of palm oil harvesting is the fruit is actually pretty big, so it can fall on your head and get a little bop on your head. So Akbar went out one evening to go to work, but then he didn't come back the next day. People started to worry, so they organized a search party to go see where he was. They went to the plot that he had been working at. They find his tools there, and they find one of his boots. Just one. Oh, no. Nothing else. Ominous as hell. Very ominous. And so they continue searching for another 24 hours or so. They can't find him anywhere until in a ditch that was close to his house, they find this 23-foot-long reticulated python. No, no. No, no. In the midst of the search, you know, they had been talking to people around where he lived and, you know, around where he was working. And some people had said that at some point in the night, they heard some cries from the palm oil grove. And they didn't, like, call someone to check, like, what's going on there? Well, who knows? I mean, it could have been a, you know, an after the fact, like, oh, maybe I heard this thing. You know, maybe people are hooting, hollering in the palm oil grove. I mean, that could be a beautiful country song. I say that, though, but I hear stuff all the time and don't call, so. Well, I was going to say, like, so many people keep that mind your business mentality, and Honestly, what are you going to do? Like, go out in the middle of the jungle to investigate a scream? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, that sounds like some white people shit. Yeah, it seems like a great idea. There we go. That sounds like some white people shit. <laughs> Taylor's like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I will go out and investigate. <laughs> so anyway, they find this python, and it is swollen as hell. It's not moving because it has obviously just consumed something that is very large. Oh, gosh. Dun, dun, dun. And so they end up pulling the python out of the ditch. And then this guy comes over and he has like a like a 13 inch long knife. And the other great thing that starts happening is everyone pulls out their phones and they start recording this moment. So you too can go to the Internet like I did and you can just watch this happen and then have bad dreams for a few days. No, but a lot of people were filming and in the film and in the video, the man with the knife, he goes and he starts cutting open the python and the first thing you see is the other boot because no. remember they found the one boot they see the boot they keep cutting keep cutting all the way to the top remember this was a 23 foot long python that's huge and then they rip it open and there is akbar's whole body intact inside this python he is deceased but it is it is just his whole body is in there he was swallowed face first by this python Oh, my goodness. 
So 23 feet. That's like five of me. No. <laughs> Math. No, no, that's like that's like four of me. I like how our measurements are like Nika's size. No, well, like, I know that we have some, you know, international listeners. And so I kind of want to explain it in terms of like uh, humans. Like, it's a lot of human bodies. Yeah, and the reticulated python is one of the biggest pythons. It can get up to, I think there's the longest one they've ever found was like 30 feet long and 350 pounds. So they're just, they're big, big daddies. That's what they are. And the thing is... I mean, I don't think we should be haters on pythons necessarily because this was actually the first recorded case ever of a python eating a human. And the reason that the climate change and global warming and all of that and deforestation comes into this is that it is thought that the reason this python ate a human is that most of their normal prey had either skedaddled to a different part of the forest where there wasn't this palm oil plantation or... Those animals, in turn, also got decimated, so they just didn't have their normal prey. Like, normally they're eating wild pigs, you know, like dogs, whatever. So we interrupt the natural food chain, and then these workers have to go out into these dangerous environments and pay the price, despite, like, not directly benefiting from all of the money that these big palm oil companies are making. Yes, it's all our fault being complicit in the capitalist system. As we like to go back to, you know, the root of all of our problems. Yeah, that's a running theme. <laughs> um, and the thing is also pythons apparently, like they don't, I mean, this is just a fun fact about pythons is they usually don't have to eat that often. So it is pretty fucking dire if they were eating a human. Like there was this one reticulated python that was in captivity in a zoo. This was like in 1926, you know, another great year. And it didn't eat for 23 months. So they can go a long time without eating. So... That's on. That's our oh, bad. That's our desperate. bad. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, Gabby, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how the python hunts? Yeah, it seems freaky as hell. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say this one is like they go up in trees. They're in trees, and then they just pounce on you. <laughs> I mean, I sh- like I shouldn't be laughing, but that sounds insane. It's so scary, and they're like so big. I mean, it's also like interesting to think about something that large pouncing, also pouncing without limbs. They're just, yeah. like, springing from a tree. I know. It must not be graceful. Like, they must be clumsy as hell. I mean, can you – I mean, just picture, like, a floating string or green bean just throwing itself at you. That does not look cute. I mean, I know it gets the job done, but I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> then the thing is, as I said previously, Akbar's death was the first one ever recorded of a python eating a human. And yet, in, within the next year in this same area – a 54-year-old woman was also eaten by a python. She was like in her garden, tending to her garden <gasps> in the evening. And then she never came back inside and her family was worried. And the same situation basically happened where then they found nearby a python extra swollen up from eating in a ditch, like or just like in the side of the road and chopped it open. And there she was fully intact. And it was in the same area. So clearly... That area, deforestation has really wreaked havoc on that area. Yeah. So watch out for snakes coming or pythons coming from above. Well, up next, we have a little segment on exactly what happens to your body when a python kills and eats you. Just in case. Just in case, exactly. Just to get a little more freaked out. So we'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, 
the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Python Land, not Florida, Cadaver Girls. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Gabby was just sharing that um, pythons, when they attack you and they try to eat you, they basically climb up on a tree and then jump and land on your body. And if they eat you and you're cut open in time, you are found totally preserved. I mean, well, dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was, um, I was kind of just researching on how exactly do pythons eat you? Like, what is the process? And obviously, they kill you before they eat you. And people used to think that they would choke you before they ate you, but that's actually not the case. Essentially, what they do is cut off your circulation. So they coil around you and just put a lot of pressure on your arteries and stops blood flow essentially from going to your heart or your major organs or your brain and you die. It's kind of like a blood pressure reading. So, you know, like when they wrap the (laughs) thing around your arm and they go. I hate that. I love it. I'm like very into it. It feels really good for me. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's an interesting distinction between like suffocating to death versus like all of your circulation gets cut off it's like it seems you know almost slightly more sinister it's like they have control over your blood they're like the blood benders from like they are wow (laughs) amazing yes that is literally exactly what they do they coil around you and they check your heartbeat and they only stop squeezing once they've felt that your heartbeat has stopped Some scientists, actually, they did some tests to, like, figure out exactly when do pythons know how to stop squeezing. And so they outfitted some lab rats, which, yes, like, I know, Gabby, you're a rat lover. They outfitted these little boys and girls, both genders of lab rats, (laughs) with little pacemakers. And the scientists control the pacemakers and would, like, slow it down or stop it. And the pythons only stopped squeezing once they felt no heartbeat on the pacemaker. Which, okay, like, scientists, why? But, okay, cool. I also want to clarify that I, I, I don't love rats. I appreciate rats and I, I admire rats for their resilience. That's sweet. Be resilient like a rat. You know, in many ways, then, as an immigrant. Resilience. Ew. <laughs> I was going to, like, say something important. Oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> as like, an immigrant, as Taylor's an immigrant, like, pun. <laughs> um, that was horrible. But, um, but, yeah, so that's what scientists were doing with their time. I don't know. I mean, I, okay, and I have done my research on this subject. You're welcome, everyone. I even subscribed to... National Geographic, the weekly newsletter, just to receive this quote from a scientist about pythons. Get ready, y'all, because I literally sent my email to them just to share this on the podcast. And now I'm receiving a lot of information from National Geographic. Not that I'm mad at it, but like, okay, it's kind of clogging my inbox a little bit. So the scientist said, and I quote, the heart literally doesn't have the strength to push against the pressure. End quote. That is how pythons kill you. You're welcome. So, yeah, if you're into breath play, that, you know, that's a way to go. Yeah, also, you know, some role playing. Like, you know, maybe your partner in bed is a python and you're a little rat, but you're a resilient rat. So, <laughs> okay, that actually yeah, sounds that does sound kind of quite fun. fun. Yeah, that'll also, be great I feel for like- later. <laughs> 
Stop. Yeah, listeners, submit your uh, role playing based off of this episode. That will be the next thing we're asking. No, 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 no. no. Please don't do that. Um, Okay. Anyway, Taylor, do you want to help us pivot the conversation into an unsolved mystery? Please, I beg of you, I do not want to receive more um, sexual requests. Absolutely. Thank God, because that'd be awkward if you weren't going to. Can you imagine Taylor just being like, no, I actually don't want to share. Log off. So we're in the year 1553, which is the early... You and the 1500s. Oh my gosh. I love them. Okay, so this is the earlier part of the Renaissance period, which actually went from 14th century to 17th century, which seems like a really long time to me. I don't, I don't know. You tell me. Wow, Renaissance period. So rude. So long. So we're here to talk about Sir Hugh Willoughby, who was on King Henry VIII's court. And he also spent a lot of time in the military and was knighted. So if you recall, this was a time where all the boys were boating around looking for things to take. So Sir Willoughby was appointed captain general to go out into a fleet of three ships and find a new way to get to China. That is such a sweet way of like explaining colonization. <laughs> like the boys and I are going to go grab some new stuff. <laughs> no. This was just a time where people were boating around, just doing their thing, imposing their views on people. <laughs> what a good time. Well, were they actually colonizing? Or- no. Oh, okay. They were looking for a new trade route to China. I mean, look, it's not like they were doing some great things. They were bringing some, they were going to mess some shit up. <laughs> so these ships were called the Bona Esperanza, the Edward Bonaventure, and the Bona Confidentia. And aboard these ships were landsmen, aka men who were unfamiliar with the sea, a chaplain or two, because you know you got to get your church on, merchants, and gentlemen adventurers. So I don't know if you picked up on this, but these dudes were literally like, hey, watch this. How hard can it be? They were not prepared. There was no, like, marine men? No No. mermen? They were literally like, hey, let's go boat around. How hard could it be? (laughs) So yeah, aboard the Edward Bonaventure was Richard Chancellor and Stephen Burrow. And they were like the only two that really knew what they were doing. And they were like, yeah, we should be on the same boat so we can relate and make fun of these gentlemen adventurers, I guess. (laughs) Let's relate to each other. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. So there were three boats and the only two experienced people were on the same boat. That makes so much sense to me. Okay. Okay. So that's like what we're working with here. They're like... But they did have one good idea, which was, like, if they got separated, they were to meet back at a predetermined location so that they could um, catch back up with each other. So they set sail. And as any good gentleman adventurer does, Willoughby kept a journal. So we kind of got the play-by-play of, like, really what was going down. So initially, there were really strong winds, which immediately put them off schedule. Ooh. Because of these winds, two of the ships immediately lose sight of the Edward Bonaventure which was obviously the only boat that stood a chance because it had actual seamen on it. Okay, yeah, I just couldn't avoid that word, okay? Ew, I just got it. You just got that? (laughs) I did. I just, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So the Bonaventure waited for a week at their place of rendezvous, but to no avail, they were gone. But meanwhile, the Bona Esperanza and the Bona Confidentia, I don't know why that's hard for me to say, but it is, They stuck together and they were lost as hell, but they eventually found land and sent out some of the finest gentlemen adventurers to find life. But all they found were cute little animals. Willoughby wrote, 
very many seal fishes and other great fishes, and upon the main, bears, great deer, foxes, and divers strange beasts. Mm. Taylor loves the animals were included in yes, this. She's like, let me so give you cute. a detailed list of all the animals that were on the ship and off it while these men are marooned about to pass away. What the hell is a sea seal fish? I don't know. Well. So the last documentation from the Esperanza was in January of 1554. And three months later, the ships were discovered by some Russian fishermen and when the men discovered them, they all appeared to have died in unison. They were in like various positions, like one had a spoon in his mouth, another was like opening a cabinet, and like even the animals on board were like frozen in time. Wait, what happened? I'm sorry. I, I don't believe. I don't believe. Did Willoughby write about this or? No, the last thing. Was he frozen with like his hand like on his quill and it's just like. Can you imagine like being frozen and going to the bathroom? Like I I would hate that. Like can you imagine being remembered like that? This sounds like a magical creature that did something to these dudes. All of the animals were alive and thriving except for those that were on the Mm. boats. So anyway, we'll get back to how they died, but I want to go back to the rest of this story because it kind of like gets even crazier. So I guess the fishermen are like, oh, we need to go tell someone. So they get back and they're like, y'all aren't going to believe it, but there's these two ships, they're docked, and a bunch of dudes are like frozen in time. The Tsar of Russia at the time was a man called Ivan Ivanovich, aka Ivan the Terrible. But he actually does this one nice thing, and he sends a letter back to England and is like, hey, come get your boys. We found some of your boys frozen in time. XOXO, Ivan the Terrible. Yeah, exactly. Come get them. Okay, so by the time the letter gets to England, it's 1555, and they originally set sail in 1553. So Chancellor, who was one of the guys who actually knew how to sail on the Edward Bonaventure, goes back out to sea to go pick up his lost men and the cargo, Um, but they didn't have enough men to sail the ship back, so they had to come back yet again, and now it's 1556. But they're prepared now, and so when they get to Russia, they pick up some guys to be England's first Russian ambassador. Um, I guess they really appreciated the Russians, like, letting them know about their buddies. Um, So they're on their way back, and this, like, huge storm hits, and the Bona Confidentia hits a rock and sinks. And the Bona Esperanza went MIA, and the Chancellorship lost its bearings, and that sank as well. Oh, no. These boats were haunted. Yeah, they were. These ships were literally not meant to survive. It was the sealfish, I'm sure of it. Probably wasn't the sealfish, but uh, we will find out what happened to these men uh, when we return. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. 
Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, we are back, uh, ready to learn about this big death, a ton of death, a ton of boys. <laughs> a ton of death and a ton yes, of boys? it is the title for my memoir. <laughs> Taylor, do you want to express your scientific findings? Yeah, express them. So these are just like some possibilities of how they could have all died in unison. They're not necessarily like, you know, like... Um, conspiracy theories. Yeah, they're like conspiracy theories, I guess. 
they were just like thrown out there as possibilities. Well, conspiracy theories and scientific findings are like the same thing, <laughs> according to modern culture. <laughs> right, so. right. Okay. So the first theory is it's it's cold. We're in Russia. It's winter. So the first theory is like maybe it just got really cold and really fast and all of these guys just like froze to death. Well, the problem there, obviously, is it would have to get like really cold and really cold and really fast just for everyone to freeze all at the exact same time. So I don't really think that's an option. So another theory is scurvy and starvation. But like when they went to go pick up their boys, they realized they had like a lot of supplies on board. So they probably didn't die from um, starvation because they had plenty of food. But scurvy, as we know, or at least I think we know, is a deficiency in vitamin C, which is why when you're a kid, they're like, drink your orange juice. Fun times. But again, it doesn't seem like they would have all died at the exact same time, all in unison. Well, maybe if they were all eating the same things and they left to go boat together at the exact same time. And listen, like, I I read things. I'm very smart. It wasn't until 1593 that scurvy was even connected to fresh fruits and foods and vitamin C and all those good things. So I'm going to tip my hat into the scurvy jar. My very scientific old, that's not a word, science, 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 yes. I find the seal fish to be still more probable, the seal fish witch. I mean, look, at this point, anything's possible, I guess. <laughs> but okay, so you know when you like go, like you Google your symptoms or whatever, you like find out like all of the things wrong or like all of the reasons why you could be Brain sick tumor right yeah it's always a tumor <laughs> but yeah so like you know when you're like googling it, they also have like risk factors so i did this thing that i thought would be fun that you could categorize yourself to see if you're at risk for scurvy so i created a put a finger down challenge oh my gosh oh yeah oh my gosh oh for, for scurvy <laughs> yeah yeah yes don't listen if you're a hypochondriac. Put a finger down if you have daily alcohol consumption. Put a finger down for use of illegal drugs. Put a finger down if you live alone. How could like scurvy and living alone? Oh, you you eat yeah, more so, fried foods. <laughs> so like the next one alone. is low income. So like lack of nutritious oh, foods. Yeah, me, you can't me, afford literally food. me. Um, <laughs> put a finger down if you have IBS. And put a finger down if you are dehydrated. So if you don't drink a lot of water. I got one left. Wait, stop. I got one left. Because I do drugs and have IBS. Look at me. I feel like I have all my fingers. I mean, sometimes I'm dehydrated. You drink daily, You literally drink every day, Taylor. Okay, but like not anymore. I used to. Okay. Okay, so it's between Gabby and I on who has scurvy. Uh, Taylor, do you have one more so we can Um, figure out who has scurvy? Okay, yeah. Uh, Put a finger down if you have a restrictive diet. I don't eat mushrooms. Okay, great. (gasps) Gabby! (gasps) I have scurvy. You are dead. (laughs) See, like those old-timey video games. This is the least medical segment I think we've done so far. Like, If you have any of these symptoms, you automatically... (laughs) Have scurvy now. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, everyone. We are going to continue without Gabby as she has passed away from scurvy into the beyond. Um, Taylor, any other theories as to why these men all froze in time? I passed away from the seal fish, Nika. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so the most likely cause for everyone to have died so quickly and all at once was carbon monoxide poisoning from the way they insulated their ships. Don't know how they were insulating their ships, but apparently it had carbon monoxide. Well, I'm guessing because it was like a cold Russian winter, they were trying to insulate the boats and then didn't leave any space for any ventilation and for like the stoves the to – I'm guessing they had stoves yeah, to release the carbon monoxide. And so, yeah, they were very warm until they weren't. Right. So the thing that confuses me about this story is rigor mortis, which I was today years old when I found out that rigor mortis translate to rigidity of death. But for those of you who don't know, that's like when after you die, you get your body gets like really stiff from like the lack of blood flow. But apparently, so it takes about two to six hours after death for rigor mortis to take place. And then it lasts from a few days, uh, or excuse me, a few hours to a few days. So I really can't tell if that would even be plausible for everyone to be frozen in the middle of their actions. And secondly, if it is plausible, then the fishermen would have had to have happened to arrive shortly after they all died, right? Because then, you, like your your body like starts to decompose, like from the inside out, and like your your organs, you know, they they start to melt. So. So unless it was just like super cold, I guess, which it was cold, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, if it was really cold and they experienced rigor mortis, then maybe they did seem frozen in time. I mean, listen, I don't believe the Russian fishermen when they were like, oh, we found teacups in their hands or dogs were stopped in the middle of the boat. No, like I don't believe that. But if someone was sleeping and passed away of carbon monoxide poisoning and experience rigor mortis, I kind of understand why people would call it frozen in time. I don't believe the Russian fishermen, though. I mean, listen, this was a time when people believed that, like, drinking lead led to longer life, so... Maybe they were under the spell of the... Um, of the seal yeah. fish. That's the power of the seal the fish. The seal oh. fish. Yeah, maybe they were just like, if you don't exactly. go back and tell them that they were all frozen in time... I want to be a seal fish now. That that sounds like okay. sexy and fun and lure men to their death, their frozen death. Um, thank you, Taylor, for your conspiracy theories. We can all take off our tinfoil hats now, put them in our little tin bags. And because today is such a special day, um, I have a listener-submitted story that I want to share. It's really um, funny yes. if anyone wants to hear it. Yes, I love that our listeners are starting to communicate with us and telling us that they love us, even though some of them don't, but it makes us feel really good. So please keep sending. I know. It really it really helps to not make me feel like, oh, everyone hates us, you know? <laughs> um, so thank you. Oh, yeah, and this was in response to our the poodle story with the pet suicide discussion that we had. So this is a fun Flirty tale. <laughs> a fun, flirty tale from Morgan Ford. So, Morgan, thank you so much for sending this because it... Yeah, thank you, Morgan. No, I know. It literally made me cackle. It was wonderful. She had a friend named Chris who owned two hamsters. And he kept those hamsters in the same cage. And one day he woke up, he went to check on his little hamsters and um, found out that, this is a quote, one of the hamsters straight up ate the other. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this killer hamster broke out. It was like prison break um, and escaped. Oh, God. Yes. So he's like full and then he like breaks out and then like runs away 
And he's just like, yeah, I'm free. That's scary as hell. I can't imagine having like a scary rodent. A ballistic rodent on the loose. (laughs) That is literally my worst nightmare. You guys know how I feel about rodents. And also, important to note, unlike pythons, hamsters can eat a whole other hamster and scurry (laughs) off into the distance. So the more you know. So this hamster scurried off, full hamster in his belly, and runs to the laundry room. And his mom was doing laundry, had the washing machine like open, filling with water, and looks up at the shelf above the washing machine. And there is the murderer himself. Oh, no. He stares dead into her eyes and jumps into the swirling water of the washing oh, machine no. and drowns. That's no. So he Do just, you like, think this hamster was then... feeling remorse for its evil deeds? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. It's so Awkward. I mean, yeah, I would feel guilty if I ate my friend. (laughs) Thank you again so much, Morgan, for submitting that story. It made my day. Um, Yeah. If you have any other murder, suicide, animal stories, I this is the place to 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 send them. Nowhere else. I want them. I want to read them to my future children. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cadaver Gals. You are here. You endured. So proud of you. I don't even know what we learned. Plant a tree, save a human from a python. You know, we need more trees. We need those forests. We need those wild pigs. Or that python's going to come for you. Mm, mm-hmm. Ominous. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, you heard it first here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cadaver Gals. Y'all are wonderful and goodbye. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is hosted, edited, produced, and written by Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and myself, Nika Duarte. Um, our EPs are three white dudes who would rather not be named. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cadaver Gals. Uh, see you next week. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. 
I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.